The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Well, welcome to OPCC. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord today and have all this stuff going on. Man, we had a lot of stuff to get done, and, and I'm excited <clears throat> to be with you, excited to kind of talk to you a little bit about where we're headed. Um, vision, uh, Andy Stanley wrote a great book on vision and sort of kind of took his definition and, and developed uh, uh, my own. It, it's really mostly his, but I threw a couple of words in there so I could call it mine. Amen. This vision is a spiritual portrait that God paints in the heart of the believer of what could and should be in his kingdom. And so when we think about um, vision, um, like it does, like the Lord starts doing something, all right? So when, I'm, when I talk about vision, I'm not just talking about vision as the world may describe it. I'm talking about a godly, divine vision that God begins to birth in a person in order to accomplish his will um, in the kingdom. So there are things that the Lord wants to accomplish on the planet, and he does that through people. He always has. He, he chose to create people, and he moves through people, and he communicates um, through people and, and to people through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and um, through preaching and teaching, through believers interacting with one another. And when a group of believers come together, we call that a local body, a fellowship, and there is a vision that God begins to paint on the hearts of, of those, that particular uh, group of people about what God wants to do in the kingdom there through all of their lives together corporately. Um, I think in our Western society, we individualize um, our relationship with God so much that we sometimes don't think about the corporate side of it. God, he loves people individually, no doubt, but he does things through us corporately, and that's why the church is so important. He said he would build his church, which is a, a gathering of people. He would bring them together, and he would advance and begin to conquer territory, uh, and the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against the movement that Christ would uh, accomplish through his church. And so today I want to talk about a little bit about that vision of, of where we're headed. And because this started when I moved up here in, in 2011 with a very small group of people. And the Lord is certainly blessed. And I believe that, that what he's about to do in this ministry, I think, is going to blow us all away. Like, I really believe that. Um, and, and we've been faithful to, to do and teach the word of God and and really focus on people and their spiritual growth and making sure that it's about his kingdom and not our kingdom. It's about his kingdom and not culture. It's about what the Lord wants to do. And so as we think about the future, some of the things, what happens is when God starts moving in the midst of people, then there, there always is a physical change. So you can see the vision starting to come to reality because it brings about a change in the way things look. And so uh, for what we have to accomplish this year, like we, we set out with a goal uh, of making some, some uh, like significant changes to some spaces. One is the kids' ministry. Like there's, and that's about to happen. Like we, we got a lot of work that we have to get done in the next uh, month. We just got a paint scheme, but a company is coming in and, and the downstairs and the upstairs from the check-in area all the way down through, like they're finalizing that design and, and there's gonna be a massive change to, to the way the kids' ministry looks downstairs. And that's gonna start, like they're showing up in August and there's some things that we have to get ready for um, their arrival and, and that, that space is just gonna bam, just immediately 
uh, pop and be shifted. Uh, then we have, um, we have uh, the, the outside of the building. We've been working on, if you've had time to look at the vision board, and it's, it's going to dramatically change what the structure looks like. And really what that's about is to, to tell the story, to tell the story of what God is doing on the inside of the church. And uh, we got disciples that are, are being released to go and make disciples. We'll see a little bit more of that here at the end of the service. And so more discipleship groups will start um, in the future, which is really what we're trying to, to, to do as a church. Jesus said to go and make disciples, and that's what we're trying to do, is be very intentional with that. And so when we look at all of these things, um, we talk about the physical aspects. Like what blows me away is uh, we, we had uh, last, I don't know, November, we had $329,000 pledged toward these projects, mainly toward the exterior project, and then the preschool doing the, the downstairs uh, portion of the project. And uh, to date, we have raised $208,000. <laughs> it's amazing, man. Just a few months, man, the Lord has moved. And so that's just blown me away. And so we look at these kids being dedicated this morning, and what you see is like you, you see parents, all those parents at one point in time, we're being held by somebody else as little babies. And now they're parents. And so they go from infants to parents. And we see a, a, a transformation there. When we think about the cross and what it's going to do to the building, again, it speaks of a transformation of the physical aspects of the building. And it's the power of transformation. So as we look at the world, and you go, man, Pastor Jimmy, I don't hear you talking a whole lot about what's going on in the world. Well, I feel, I feel like I do address the things that's going on in the world. Um, but here's, here's what you have to know about me. All of the chaos and all of the mess that we are experiencing right now, the only solution is the gospel. Like, that's it. And so I'm going to continue to preach the gospel because it solves um, a, a racist heart. Like, there's no room for racism in the kingdom. And so when a person gets saved and they come into the kingdom, man, they got to die to that. Um, and so we certainly have to be advocates for things that are happening within the system that we can help move forward. But, man, the, 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 the way it's going to happen is, like, I'm before I am an American, I am a citizen of a kingdom. I have died to myself, I belong to Jesus, and he is Lord of my life, and I'm to submit to his lordship and authority. And as I do that, then what happens is um, we begin to accomplish the mission that Jesus called us to in the first place, which is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He said, I'm giving you authority to do that. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, uh, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I've taught you. And that's where I think the church, like America's really gotten off is we quit teaching people to obey everything that Jesus taught. And so we just said Jesus is Savior, and we've left off Jesus is Lord. And that's why you get chaos is because people are not walking under the lordship and authority as Jesus as Lord. And you get all of these crazy things happening within the community. And the only way to sh change and shift that is for us to unify around the one mission given by God is to go and make disciples. Because when we make disciples, and this is fascinating to me that our country is so divided. Like it's like divided right down the middle. And people on this side and people on that side. Um, and both groups think the other group's crazy. You notice that? And the other group is crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that, you, why is that? Why is there a big miss? Well, we, again, the Bible explains this. If you go back 
to whenever you look at the, uh, um, the, the, the Tower of Babel in the, in the book of Genesis, the p- humanity was all like unified and, and they got focused on humanistic things and their religion became a form of humanism. And so they got consumed by that. And what did the Lord do? Because it was unhealthy and they were turning away from him, he confused their language and they couldn't speak to one another and it freaked them out. And, and so how do we fix that? Well, Jesus fixed it when he died on the cross because, because now we have all these foreign languages. People can't communicate with one another. And deeply, like I think that, that is a, a, a reflective of how even when we speak the language, same language, we can't communicate with one another. On the time that Jesus rose from the dead, he made a promise. He said, I want you to go and make disciples. I'm going to make a promise. You go and you hold up in this particular place. And the spirit is going to fall on you that I told you was going to fall on you. And you shall receive power to witness for me. And so what happens is the day of Pentecost, which we just celebrated a few weeks ago. And when the day of Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit falls upon this small group of people, very small group of people. And what happens to them? They come out of the room and it says they are speaking in tongues. So they go from hiding to speaking in tongues. And that, that word means they were speaking in a way that other people who didn't know their language could understand them. So the curse of Babel is reversed when the Holy Spirit falls on a person. That's why I can walk down here at a price chopper. I can go in and I can pick up my groceries and all of a sudden be in line and something can happen with a person I don't even know and I figure out that they are a follower of Christ and and they know I'm a follower of Christ and instantly we have a connection. Why is that? It is because we belong to the same kingdom and the Holy Spirit has fallen on us and we understand a common language. So we immediately feel as though we are spiritual family even though we don't know each other. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit working in two people's lives that don't even know each other. Jesus um, is God. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit now living inside of a person. And that's transformation. And that helps people to be able to communicate in a way that is acceptable to God and unify around the vision that God and the mission that God has given us in order to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so how do we solve America's problems? Make disciples. Okay? If if America just had more disciples, it would be in a better shape. How do we solve the problems of the church? Make disciples. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And those disciples observe and obey what Jesus commanded, and they apply it to their lives. And when they recognize that they are sinning, they repent, and they ask God to forgive them and help them with that sin, and they move forward, and they continue to be shaped more and more in the image of God. And so as we think about this mission, um, addressing the physical structure is a result of being effective with that mission. Is ultimately, you see it in a life. Like, I mean, people, people saw the work of the Lord in my life. Like, it transformed me. And, and, and they are thankful that it did, okay? It's a good thing that the Lord transformed me because I would not be good uh, if, if I, I, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. Um, and so the Lord transformed me, and you saw a shift 
on the outside of me and my life changed. And so the same, when that happens with a group of people, you start seeing that shift happening physically around the things around them. And so I'm excited about the future and how we begin to address some of these things. And it's important that the, 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 the shifting and the transformation happens in the person first because people are precious to God. And so when we look in our, our text today in 2 Peter chapter 2, no, 1 Peter chapter 2, um, we're going to see that Peter gives us a model for transformation. So he gives us a model on how this transformation thing takes place. And it's, it's very, very easy and clear, nothing very deep, but I think it's good for us to look at it and begin to ask, okay, man, where am I at in this transformative process that the Bible clearly teaches? And so he says this in verse 1, Therefore, Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so as we work through these phases, I'm going to give you some phases of transformation. The first one is always, it starts right here, it's infancy. Infancy is the first phase of transformation. The person has to crave the word like a baby does milk. Now, how can you help people enter this phase of transformation? Because as we think in terms of discipleship, um, like there's, there's an aspect of evangelism. We talk about evangelism. A person is converted to the faith. If, if discipleship and evangelism go hand in hand. They should never be separated. Like a person... Once they become a follower of Jesus, they need to be discipled in the ways of the Lord, and they really can't effectively be discipled in the ways of the Lord without becoming a follower of Jesus, okay? So these two things go hand in hand. And the first um, phase is, is about um, infancy and a person coming to a place where they crave truth. It's all about a spiritual appetite for truth. And, and so, like, our culture doesn't have that. What our culture has right now is a spiritual appetite for relativism. You make your truth, I'll make my truth, and we just have to figure out how to get along. That never will work because if something is true, if this thing is true and you think something different, the two things can't be true. That's just, that's crazy. The, the, the great thinkers tell us the absolute truth is there is no absolute truth. I just think, I'm going to use an absolute truth to tell you there's no absolute truth. It's, it's, it's just asinine if a person really stops to think about it. And so we have to understand that um, truth and an appetite for truth is how a person enters into this place of infancy. And so we have all these new babies. One of the things that when, especially with your first child, and if you choose um, uh, to nurse that child, uh, then you, you, you know, it's very stressful for a parent. Like, that, is this kid going to figure it out, you know? And so they even have people who have a profession. They go in and they help the moms um, um, with that. And so, but man, all you got to do is get a little taste. And that baby, bam, and then he will never want anything else, okay? And so he craves it. He craves it until eventually you have to take it away from him, okay, and then he has to start learning how to eat other things. And so this is what we're doing when it comes to uh, helping this transformation uh, process start. The process starts 
when you experience spiritual birth. And so our job as uh, disciple makers is to help people taste him. And so I was not here last week and went on this incredible trip that you were gracious to allow uh, me to go on and, and Shay a, and a group of guys uh, uh, from Kansas City went and there were some other guys. It was amazing, man. Went to Montana, floated the Smith River. The, the scenery was absolutely incredible. And, and there, were, there was probably about 15 guys a part of this group and they weren't all believers, okay? And so here I am, uh, I, I'm a pastor and, I, you know, you don't want to be that guy, you know, that's it. And so I'm, I'm always looking for ways to plant a seed. And so uh, I, I, on one particular evening, we were sitting around the fire. It was actually Sunday evening. And uh, the Lord kind of challenged me with, with, with something to say. I didn't know if I should say it or not. And it was kind of a funny thing. And uh, so I stepped out in faith when I was asked a question. And I told him, I said, you know, man, I, I, I normally preach on Sundays. But today, uh, I just rode my rear off, okay? And... And I chose not to use the word rear. I'm not going to use the word that I used here. Okay? And I did that intentionally. And, and it was just, this is going to sound weird, but it was a little bit of a step of faith for me. And you know what happened? <laughs> one of the guys said, because I told him, I said, I normally preach, but this is what I did today. He's, so one of the guys said, well, well, you got anything for us today? I was like, I can't believe that just happened. And so then I had to really be calculated and measured of what I was going to say. And so I responded with a thought. I didn't want to go into a sermon because I didn't think that would be appropriate. But I thought it was appropriate to plant a seed. Now, the, the amazing thing about this is the scripture teaches us that one man plants, another man waters, but God always gives the increase. And so on the way home with this one particular individual, Shay was in the truck with him and got to share the gospel for hours. <laughs> and so that's like, that's like taste and see, like taste the Lord, like it's planting a seed, so it's a craving. And so what the hope is, is that's what we do, man. We just, we just help people taste first and foremost. And so if you are in a place and you're like going, man, where am I at in this, this, this thing of transformation? The first phase is infancy. And so our job is to help people to get a taste of Jesus so that they will crave more. Now, Peter goes on and he says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Here's the second phase. It's construction. It is the second phase of transformation. As people come to the living stone, then what happens is they become living stones being built up into his temple. So Jesus is the living stone. And this Greek word is the word uh, uh, zeo. It's not zeo, it's zeo. And it means... I, I, like a coming to life, uh, um, uh, uh, living a life that is actually enjoyable and livable. And so that's what it's describing Jesus as, is that he is the living stone. And what's fascinating and is exciting is that he says when we come to him as infants and that birth takes place, and we're transformed and now we're hungry for truth, we become living stones within the temple that God is building. 
That's why you're described as the, your body is described as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is the Spirit of God resides in you, and now as Jesus is the living stone, the cornerstone, which is the stone that holds the building up, everybody else is placed on him, and now we become living stones within the body of Christ that is advancing the, the mission of Christ, which is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything Jesus taught. And so that's exciting to think about is um, that it, it, it's not about bricks and mortar. It's about God getting glory through us and how our lives are transformed. Our bodies literally are transformed because we come under the saving power of Christ. And now under his lordship, he is leading us. And so our bodies look different. Like we, how do they look different? We, like, we start acting different. We start talking different. We're craving um, spiritual truth. And the more that truth comes into our life, then our diet begins to change. And we mature in Christ. And we move from infancy to childhood to young adulthood to eventually um, uh, becoming spiritual parents that are going and, and making disciples that make disciples. Just like we took these parents and we, we made a commitment and they made a commitment to raise these kids uh, in the things of the Lord, and, and they once were infants, now they're parents. Well, the same thing is supposed to be happening to us spiritually. It's not just a religious experience that we go somewhere on a Sunday uh, morning and we give our allegiance to Christ and we say, well, I've done my religious deed for the week. No, man. You become something else. And your body is changed. And so everywhere you go, you are a living stone that is in the temple of the Lord being built into the body of Christ. And, and we begin to shift the culture. And so God begins to get glory through that transformation as it happens. And so I think people that I grew up with can still look at me and they might see a, a sermon online. They went to high school with me and they might watch a sermon. <laughs> There's one guy that does every once in a while. And he, I know, I can tell he's just shaking his head. How did this happen? Like, and I feel the same way. How did that happen? It is the Lord, man. The Lord just done a work in my life, and he continues to transform and shape me. And so that's the, the second phase is just building us up. Well, Peter goes on. He says, what is he building us up for? To be a holy priesthood. Did you know if you're a Christian, you're a holy priest? Like, you need to get comfortable with that. Like this is to all believers. They go from infants to being built up into a holy priesthood. And what are they to do? Offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe... The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And he's talking about Jesus there. And he says, and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Um, and so we look at that. The third phase of transformation is sacrifice. Okay, when we begin to learn to sacrifice. And this, this phase just happens automatically. When people comprehend phase one and two. 
When you comprehend what it means to be born again spiritually and you become an infant in Christ and he starts building you and you start experiencing that spiritual growth process, then what happens is you move automatically to phase three, which is sacrifice. Vision, and we're talking about vision, by its very nature requires resources that are not readily available. Like this... The church doesn't have an ATM card that says Jesus on it, right? We don't just go and say, well, we need a little more cash, Jesus. It is the people of God learning to sacrifice that allows the church to fulfill the, the, the mission of Christ and the vision of that local body as they are listening to the call of God uh, for them as, as a community of believers. And so as people sacrifice, then what happens is you start seeing movement in the kingdom. And so what is sacrifice? Is it just about money? No, it's about everything. It's about your time. It's about the, the particular gifts God has put in you. It is about a financial um, sacrifice, but it's, it's just something that, like, it shouldn't be hard. Okay, but it is hard for some people, and I'm going I'm to teach you um, why that is the case. See, a sacrifice is just another way to say lordship. It's about our time. It's about our lives. It's about everything that makes up our life, our, our skills, our time, and, and the resources that we have. And so the resources to operate this church come from the commitment of those who see the vision to the point that they're willing to sacrifice. And thank God, man, people see that because we are getting movement and people are sacrificing towards such end. And, and so we sacrifice because we want to see the portrait. Remember, I talked about vision is a portrait that God paints on the heart of the believer. We sacrifice because we want to see the portrait become a reality, something that we're no longer just looking at from a spiritual standpoint, but physically we can actually see it. Okay, and so like right now, <laughs> oh man, like uh, so sometimes you're like, man, the church is trying to raise money, whatever. No, no, we're not. We're trying to do the mission of Christ, and so I'm I'm kind of giddy right now because the church got quite a few people in it this morning. Listen, when I came here, we were meeting in the lobby with 25 people. This place looked awful. That blue carpet and pews and a dated sound system and, and like countertops that were orange in the bathrooms. It was just bad. Okay, it's just bad. Green appliances. Avocado. <laughs> and so the, the thing is, is like, man, but when I came, the Lord birthed a vision. I shared it with the leadership. They saw the vision. And you know what I told them we would do? Like they had $400,000 in the bank. I said, we're going to spend half of that cash as soon as I get there. That's sacrifice. Security says, no, we need to, like, what happens if this doesn't work out? And so we spent the money. And today we've got people coming. Discipleship is happening. We've got an incredible staff team. The, the Lord is moving. And so I look out at all these faces, and I'm seeing the, the portrait that I got to be a part of, and many of you got to be a part of, we see the portrait becoming a reality. The same is true when we look at these other things and we invest in physical aspects that, that tell the story and we change the outside of the church. Then what happens is we see a vision and then we move forward in it. We, we resource it through sacrifice and then more people come and the, the kingdom continues to advance and families are strong and healthy. The culture begins to shift because it's being shaped not by 
what we want it to be like, but what Jesus wants it to be like. And the hand of God is on the ministry, and it starts moving with divine momentum as we watch God do his thing, and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. Okay? And so we do that, man, and we, we sacrifice. And the, 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 the fun thing is, is when we step out and do those things, we get to see the physical reality as God begins to honor the faith. And so it's easy to get into a position where you feel like, well, God doesn't seem to be painting anything in my life. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't. And, and here you're doing, you're talking about raising money and, um, and so, and all of these causes. Uh, so it's easy to get to this place where you feel that way. And, and you, you be, when somebody talks about, and, and you know, I don't talk about giving a lot. I talk about giving if it comes up in the word. But here's the thing is, man, people, sometimes when they hear a person talk about giving, they don't like it, okay? Now, why does that happen? Here's, let me tell you, I'm going to teach you why that happens. It is because a person is trying to respond to phase three without ever going through phase one and two. They never become an infant in Christ. They never do grow in Christ. And so when it comes time to sacrifice, rather than it being something you want to do, it's something you feel like you have to do. And that's never like that, that. That's why the Lord says, man, you have to give cheerfully. Like it's just not a problem. And so, like, it's really important not to skip one and two, that you got to stay focused on what the Lord is doing in your life in phase one and two before you ever come um, to phase three. And so, it's easy to get to that place. Now, wh- what happens? Well, the mission, it says in verse eight, the mission of Jesus either becomes precious or it trips you up. That's what he says. Um, he says, verse seven. It says, now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And so the mission of Christ either becomes precious to you or it becomes something that trips you up. And if you process phase one and two, then phase three is natural and it launches you straight into phase four, which we see in verse nine. But you, he says, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's the fourth and final phase. It's declaration. Like you begin to declare the things that are happening. And so this is the phase of production and growth. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, you will what? You will produce fruit, fruit that will last. And so it is the production and growth. And so disciples begin to declare how God's mercy has brought them through the first three phases. And so it looks like this. I've tasted Jesus, and he is so good. He changed me into a living part of his earthly temple by forgiving me. Experiencing transformation is so awesome that I now sacrifice to maximize the declaration of his mercy. That, like, it just happens. Like, you don't, you don't get guilted into it. You don't, like, if you're guilted into it, it'll never work. It just happens. And if you would just walk in that truth, man, it'll begin to shift and change your life. And that's why the word says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He is transformed. The old is gone. The new has come. And that's what spiritual growth looks like. We begin making disciples that make disciples by declaring what God has done in our lives. And then we take the word. But see, we don't just get to declare. Let me tell you about the time I met the Lord and became a Christian. We ought to be declaring what the Lord is doing in our lives all the time. And if the Lord is constantly moving, there ought to always be something to say. 
And, and if we always have something to say about the Lord, then we have something good to talk about because we're declaring the mercy that is falling on our life and how the Lord is advancing his kingdom through us. And so instead of trying to go and be proactive about witnessing, we're just looking for opportunities that the Holy Spirit is opening up like the one I gave in the illustration on my trip. And then we capitalize on that opportunity and the Lord uses it and moves in it and all of a sudden the gospel starts being spread and happening and, and hopefully one day as we think about some of the guys that were on that trip, they do get discipled in all the ways of the Lord. And then when Jesus comes back to call his bride, the church, the body of Christ, and the eastern sky is split and the, the lightning shines forth and he comes back to call us home, he is able to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful service, servant. Yeah, instead of looking at us and going, depart from me, I never knew you. Those are the options, folks. It's either well done or depart. And he's taught us how to be the people who are engaging in the well done. This is the mission of OPCC. And so the big idea I have for you today is discipleship equals transformation. So we, I know it's hard. Like I know some of you are discipling and you go, man, I, I keep getting in this stuff, man, and it's hard. And they, like, I do too. I'm like, well, why am I discipling? Can't we do this a different way? It's so much easier a different way. Um, no, we can't. Why? Because Jesus said to do it this way. That's why we can't do it another way. And, and what is happening, why, we get, why it's so challenging for us is because um, we're, actually, we're actually living the life of Christ. And he, he's using those challenging experiences not only to grow the disciples you've invited into your life, but to grow you. He's stretching you. He's growing you. And as that happens, then more glory for him uh, comes out of your life. And so I'm excited that we're walking this out um, and producing fruit at OPCC. Uh, it's a slow process, but in time it becomes um, exponential. We started a few years ago, uh, and I started with my first discipleship group. And so for those of you who are discipling and feel like, um, you, you know, you're not very good at it, half the people that were in that first group don't even come to church here anymore. <laughs> So it's just like the nature of it. And then some of them are just getting it, okay? And they've made disciples that, have, uh, made, that are currently making disciples. And so in time, it begins to grow. This thing, you're like, whoa, man, this thing is, it's working. It's moving. Like, Jesus is pretty smart. <laughs> you just do what he says. So today, we're going to commission some of those folks that have been released. And so you, you know who you are if you're one of those people that have, um, you're being released to, Go and make disciples. Why don't you come up to the front right now? All right, man, go on. Take that guitar and down, down there. All right. So we have a few people that are um, out of town. I hope nothing goes wrong because half of our technical booth just left. <laughs> and so, uh, man, like what we want to do is we want to just bring you guys before the church. And we want to say we recognize that you've walked in the obedience to the Lord, that you've been, you've been trained in a, in a language that is reproducible. But the most important thing is you know the, like you know the word is the key to bringing about transformation. And so we want to, one, encourage you before the body, and we want to honor you. And we want to pray over you. Um, and so we're, we're going to charge you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. 
and, and, and that we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them like everything that Jesus taught. And remember, be reminded that all authority from heaven like is given to you to make disciples. It's not given to you to go and make your career. The Lord will help you with your career if you will stay focused on his kingdom. Seek it first. He will help you in all these things. But the authority comes to make disciples. And so I'm going to ask uh, you guys to kind of gather a little bit in the center. Then those of you who are discipling, disciple makers, if you can, some of you can't, come up here. Let's gather around them. We're going to lay hands on them. Shay, all our disciple makers, let's, let's surround these guys. Yeah, man, we got some brothers from Hera that have been released and making disciples. Shay, there's a microphone right there on the front row. Um, so let's lay hands on everybody kind of, I know it's COVID-19, so lay a hand on a shoulder. All right. And Shay, lead us in a prayer of commission for these guys. Father, thank you uh, for these men and women that stand up here, Lord, and, and make a declaration um, of the Lordship in their own life, Lord, and they just uh, are committing to do exactly what you've asked them to do, which is to go, therefore, and, and make disciples, Lord. And um, I pray that uh, they would each be reminded uh, as Jimmy said, that you, you are with them, Lord, like you've given them all the authority under heaven and earth to, to do exactly what you've called them to do. Um, like the old saying, Lord, like you don't um, call the equipped, you equip the called, Lord, like each one of these men and women here were called by you, um, just as the disciples in, in, the, uh, in the gospels were like you uh, have reached down uh, to each one of them, myself included, Lord, and you said, I choose you. And in free will, we've, we've given ourselves back to you, Lord, and you've redeemed us by your blood. You've given us uh, the spirit of God. Like, what a treasure, Lord, like we, the, something that is unique to the church, um, that we have the spirit of the living God in us. Like, we just remind these men and women that, like, the power is not them. It's in them. It is the, it is the Lord Jesus Christ working in and through them. And I pray, Father, for the, the men and women that you will um, lay on their hearts to lead, um, Lord, like that they would pour their lives into, like we, I can look at each one of them and know with confidence they are all reproducible in the kingdom of God, like that if, if um, another Mike Vaughn was made or another Mike Fields was made or another Sherilyn was made, like what a blessing that would be to the kingdom of God. And Lord, like many people will come to know you, many people will come to grow in you. That is indeed our prayer for these folks here. So Spirit of God, would you fall on them? Would you give them grace when they need it as leaders, Lord? Um, would you give them courage uh, in times of need and uh, just re remind them to abide in you uh, and that the promise is that they will bear much fruit. So remind us of that truth, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go make disciples, guys. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so just to, to wrap up today, uh, if the Lord, like you heard this sermon, and you're like, man, like I don't, I, I need to work through some of these phases. Like I, 
maybe the Lord is calling you into the kingdom and you're, the whole process of being experiencing a spiritual birth. Man, like, just, there's a connection card on your bulletin. You can throw that in the uh, offering plate on the way out and just say, man, I'd like to have lunch. Me or Shay, somebody will come and, and have lunch with you. If you're like, man, I, that whole discipleship thing, man, I, I, that sounds like something I need to be involved in. And so, like, this takes a little time, and so these people will be making invitations. We're in an abide season right now where we don't make disciples for the summer. We start and go hard from September to December. And so many of these guys will begin groups then. And so maybe you, you just say, hey, I, I'm interested. Um, I, I would like to visit with somebody about that in the future. And I encourage you to start praying about it. Like, Lord, like, here's how you pray. Because this thing is Holy Spirit-led. It's not... It's not like small group ministry where we're just trying to um, organize everything. We're letting the Spirit of God lead the disciple maker. Who are you supposed to invite into your life and, and to ask to walk with you um, for a period of time? Uh, and, and it's a beautiful thing. Like, it's a beautiful thing as we become spiritual families. So begin praying that the person would, would, would like, that you would come to their attention. And they would, uh, whoever that person is to be, and that person will be pr praying as well. And, uh, and so if you, you made another decision, you know, and you just want to talk about things, again, we, like, that's what we're here for. So don't think twice about that. Tell me on your way out. Um, and let's see, two more things. Those of you who got the bags, the, the baby dedication, there's a letter in that bag. I'm not, sh like, I, it, your children aren't supposed to open that until their 18th birthday, okay? So don't go home and, and open that letter. Uh, so, uh, and then finally, like the offering, if you want to give, there's a plate in the back. We're not going to pass the plate today. I uh, try to keep an infection rate as down as, and hopefully we don't, uh, hopefully we don't get sick. Amen. It's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to let Sean. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.